The presenting sponsor for On Education is Schoology. Schoology's passion lies in helping instructors and students have the best education experience possible. Schoology is a collaborative, student-focused, and faculty-centered learning management system. Students love Schoology because it gives them 24-7 access to course materials, real-time feedback from their instructors, and easy-to-use collaborative tools. Teachers love the streamlined workflow, integrated apps such as Google and Microsoft tools, and the ability to view evidence of student learning for making instructional decisions. To learn more about what is possible with Schoology, simply visit Schoology.com. Oh boy, you and I would be fist fighting. Oh my God. (laughs) Welcome to On Education. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will recap the best podcast moments from 2018, discuss another controversy with Teachers Pay Teachers, run down the best edtech tools of 2018 according to Common Sense Media, and our guest this week is Diana McGee from Fort Thomas, Kentucky. So happy new year. Happy new year, everybody. It's awesome. It's 2019. I know, it's crazy. Um... We are recording this on New Year's Day, I guess. New Year's Day. So it is the first of the year. And neither of us did anything last night. <laughs> no, we were just talking about it. It was a, I got, you know, at, at my age, it was, so a, it was a nice peaceful evening. Right. With the uh, in-laws and my kids and my wife. And we played some board games. And We watched. Great. We watched Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them yeah, with the kids. That's a good one, right? In the in the in the late kind of afternoon, early evening. Yeah. And then when they went to bed, we watched Hunger Games because I don't know. I've been wanting to watch Hunger Games again for a while, so we watched Hunger Games and then we just went to bed. Too old for this nonsense. <laughs> so tired. No, so no clubs, huh? <laughs> no. No. God. And it was clubs. freezing rain up here. Oh. Uh, most of the most of the day and like a really good band a good canadian band sam roberts band for any people listening who know canadian music that generally doesn't make it to the states sam roberts was playing in barry uh and he's solid it would have been a great concert but i'm just too tired and old to go stand out in the middle of the rain to listen to you know you'd have to pay me to do that and even then you'd have to pay me a lot and that so. was that was outdoors mike it's yeah they do it i think they're i think it's outdoors i should have probably checked i guess but yeah i think it's outdoors so <laughs> you guys it's pretty are dumb a lot uh tougher than we are <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I'm it's Minnesota, actually funny it's the same thing i mean it's and as your as uh your fellow ontarian uh pointed out we're actually further north than you guys <laughs> you are indeed further north than than me which is funny uh christmas what how'd you how'd you make out did you did you get anything cool for christmas um you know my kids they know that uh their dad loves sugar so i got a lot of candy and then that's like the exact opposite of what i want to go ahead and be doing for uh you know my new year's kind of resolution thing you know they're enablers exactly so i have all of these uh piles of red vines and all of these other types of candy that i used to eat um, and I've been trying to make sure that I don't do my typical thing, which is devour them all. And <laughs> sure, I'll spark that's funny. 2019. That would be fantastic. 
<laughs> I, I got an Apple Watch. That was the plan. Nice. So I'm excited about that. And uh, Cheryl, uh, I got Cheryl tickets to the Book of Mormon, the 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 production. Yeah, the play. Yeah. Yeah. Or musical. We've yeah. been before. Yeah. It's coming back to Toronto, actually. So uh, we're going in, I guess, actually, actually, I really kind of screwed this up. We're going the day before ISTE. Oh, wow. So, so I actually day. might not be at Badge Summit. Oh, the day before. I get you. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the Saturday. Gotcha. So I kind of right. screwed that up. Hey, you got you to gotta do what you got to do, man. <laughs> wow i gotta i gotta what i should do is switch i i picked the last saturday of its run yeah yeah i should i should call them and say listen can i just change it to the week before switch it up yeah yeah or something like that anyways anyways we got news to talk about we yeah. uh we have a couple things on our list here and let's go through them um this one this article a new study shows that students learn way more effectively from print textbooks than screens and i i think they should have edited the like the headline should say you know reading from it like it's it's not implying i don't know maybe it is but i i just reading they're talking about reading textbook versus reading the same textbook on a screen yes is what we're comparing right and and really though it felt like the headline was basically another anti-screens anti-technology anti-technology post with so that it would be clickbait you know people use it to justify why you should not move towards uh utilizing any kind of tech uh which is ridiculous um as far as reading that's a total preference i think depending upon the person and we should definitely have that available for uh, our students whether they want to go ahead and actually have the print a lot of my students did want the actual physical you know, book if we ever used it, especially to, you know, if you were reading like these little novels that we did in Spanish, um, right. we had the physical versions and we had the digital ones. Many students just preferred mm-hmm. the physical versions and I totally uh, had those available for them. And just like adults though, too, don't you think? A lot of people love the Kindle, you know, like to be able to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some people, you know, like my wife just prefers that physical book. Yep, and my wife does too. Exactly. And there's no judgment either way. I just don't think that saying that you learn more from one from the other. I, this is a, such a limited uh, study, you know, if you want to call it that. It's not even a meta-analysis as far as, you know, really di- diving deep into this. So it's hard to take these things seriously. <laughs> it certainly doesn't need to cause a, a fight or a, like, a divide between the two things. Read however the hell you want. Exactly. And let kids read however the hell they want. What does it matter? Have those it, things available for them so that they right. can do it either of those things just exactly as we talk about when you're doing choices as far as to do yeah. a class to do have a variety of different options so that not all of them are based in tech so that students can yeah. create uh you know on still on pencil and paper or whatever else it might be um, and you give those options there because that's how we are as humans we want a diverse amount of things but you can't just yeah demonize the screen it's bad <laughs> and I've, right. i haven't seen that way too often I actually, this article made me think of a a situation when I was in university in my undergrad. Um, I had bought my, some of my textbooks, like the required reading um, on Kindle. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and I think for a couple of my teachers, 
I was the first person who had done that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they had to, we had to like have a talk about how to properly cite a Kindle location in in um in a paper oh yeah because because it's different because it, it is different they they refer to the location not necessarily the page because it's not the same no, right because so, everybody you adjust the screen size for your preference right so it's going to be right. a different number of pages as far as a book right yeah right it was interesting so they the first time it happened they were like what what is this <laughs> and i said i got my books on kindle so I mean, if you have a problem with the citation, let's at least sit down and talk about how how we can agree how it we, should look. Exactly. And then I'll I'll do it that way. I don't care. But I'm not going and buying the paper textbook just because you can't handle the way I cite it. Yeah, exactly. No, no. And that's that's super important. I was learning from everybody, you know, from the student side and the teacher side, too. Now they're like, OK, super they're aware of that's actually happening. Yes. So, I mean, maybe some kids read better uh, with paper like like physical books that's cool i don't have a problem with that i i do have a problem when you you make people click the article to you know because you think it's going to be like a bash on technology in general just to tell us that some kids read better with physical books exactly cool yes anyways (laughs) so yeah i think that's something we already knew hey your favorite punching bag is back in the news yes so teachers pay teachers is back in the news <laughs> this time with something new <laughs> so this so time profiting yeah, stolen work yes exactly so there was a and it hasn't just been this one person but the the, the article centered around this specific uh educator yeah who had all of these materials kind of like what we talk about all the time as far as posting your materials for free right on their blog post or uh, through social media, and they were sharing all of these different types of materials. And I think it was math related. Um, and then what it she ended up finding is someone actually, you know, texted her or let her know that, hey, I just saw your free uh, materials, but someone just posted them on Teachers Pay Teachers to be able to make money off of them. So, and then I guess this is a pervasive problem that's going on on Teachers Pay Teachers, basically people using other people's either free work or published work or whatever it might be, and then reselling it on Teachers Pay Teachers to be able to make money. Or even what's the funniest one, as I thought, is that there's people, I mean, it's not good, but I just thought it was kind of ironic that some people are stealing things from like actual textbook publishers and then posting mm-hmm. them on teachers paid teachers to be able to make money, which of course is illegal. Don't do that. Uh, uh, but I just thought it was ironic that the textbook publishers then were <laughs> getting you know, the workaround too. It's unbelievable. Yes. I mean, te- teachers pay teachers should be responsible for this. Like they, it's their um, location. It's their yes. storefront and you can't allow people to, sell material that's copyrighted by someone else exactly or or being stolen or or ripped off or plagiarized i mean this is it's insane it's funny because when this showed up in our our notes i went and looked because i sell i sell one we've talked about this before i saw one thing yeah you have one item <laughs> on t- uh, everything everything else now actually it's funny you know we did this just the other day when we were talking um 
uh, I had other things for sale for for prices, and I I turned them all free. Um, uh, I wasn't selling anything other than this one thing. I've made one thing that's really popular, and then that's it. Yeah. Um, and so that I I've sold. Um, and I've joked before, it basically funds my World of Warcraft subscription. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I I wanted to actually go on and see if anyone had ripped it off. And um, thankfully, no one had ripped off my exact thing. Yeah. But there are other um, versions of these, a similar, like the same idea. Okay. Um, not many. And, you know, I'm biased, but mine looks the best <laughs> out, of, <laughs> out, out of the other couple choices. <laughs> but... But there are a couple other people. But I was I was interested to see if something that I made had been ripped off. Um, it, I mean, it must be it must be a big enough problem to like to make articles out of it. Like yes. it can't just be like a one or two person thing. And who are these people? That's sad. Like really, right? That's sick. Like, what kind of person are you that you ah uh, just? It must not. What is know, what wrong with you? Though is it? it it probably isn't even an educator. You know, that's what I no. That's what I say. It's just someone from the outside figuring out a, a way to be able to make some money, you know, and then they figured out kind of a system to be able to do so. Uh, getting popular them. materials, being able to post them on that site and then be able to sell them. The one part that I did uh, remember seeing there too, Mike, that you're talking about as far as their responsibility with Teachers Pay Teachers is that it's very difficult to have these materials flagged you know, so this this person in the article was saying, "Hey, I found this thing. It looks exactly like mine, except for one thing has changed. Uh, can you pull it off?" And it, it, and she found it very very difficult to have that actually happen. So, uh, like you just said, they're responsible for it. They need to be able to at least uh, temporarily pull it down and then have an investigation done, so that yeah, people's stuff doesn't get. Especially because this person just posted all these things for free, and then someone decided to go ahead and profit off of it, which is sad. That's amazing. Yeah. And and like people, it's just astounding. The amount of money that people make too on this is incredible. We talked about this earlier in the week when we were talking as well. And I could not, I was just like punching numbers into the calculator and I'm like, holy crap. There are people that are literally millionaires. There are millionaires from, from teachers pay teachers. Unbelievable. The American dream. (laughs) Unbelievable. I tell you, I, I mean, and I so I don't have the same problem with teachers pay teachers no, no. that you do no, in the sense I, I so <laughs> so I get I get you know the idea of people you know using their knowledge and time to earn an income in whatever way they can. So I get it. Anyways, teachers pay teachers. There we go again. It's going to be the, I wonder what's going to happen in 2019. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I bet you can't. It's, it's definitely good for us for content. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they are a regular punching bag on, on education for Glenn. Um, <laughs> when we come back, uh, we're going to give you a rundown on uh, common sense media just came out with their top 20 best of ed tech. Uh, and we'll see what we like there and we'll see if there's anything they miss. So uh, stay with us. Quests. 
One of Classcraft's most popular features with over 100,000 lessons created by teachers and 3 million learning objectives completed by students so far is now part of Classcraft's free offerings. In 2019, your students won't just be learning multiplication, chemistry, or any other content. They'll be saving the kingdom. Transform your lessons into adventures with Quest today. Visit Classcraft.com for more information. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Common Sense Media just released, I guess they, they must do this at the end of every year, but they just released their best ed tech tools slash apps slash whatever for 2018. Um, it's a list. Yeah. It's interesting. It's very interesting. There's a lot of stuff on here I've never seen before. Yeah, that's why I thought it was interesting. I thought it would be like kind of the big time stuff. And then maybe a yeah. few things that you're like, oh, I should check into that. And it was more like, there's a lot of things I've never even heard of. <laughs> so then I had to go. So obviously, <laughs> yeah, really. So obviously, we've heard of, of you know, Khan Academy. I've heard of Maker's Empire. Yes. Um, Discovery Tour. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. Assassin's, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed. made a, uh, a game-based learning version of their ancient Egypt game. Uh, oh, and basically you could go and, and tour ancient Egypt without uh, the normal Assassin's Creed, which would be going around and, you know, you know slaughtering things <laughs> or whatever might be the role play. Sure. So it's more of a immersive experience. You can walk around, study things uh, without having that part in there. Um, and that's, I, I've heard super positive things about that. So I will definitely be checking that one out. I thought it was cool that Florence was on here. It's right at the bottom of the yeah, list. Yeah, Florence. Cuz it's like a it's a it's like a game but more like a narrative experience. Yeah, that was uh, um, Paul Darvasi talked about that to me at some point yeah. and he was he was using it in class or was talking about why he would yeah. use it in class. Um and I thought that was fantastic too. So there is some game-based learning in here. Yes, thankfully. Yes. Uh there was some thankfully. different types of I would call them like makerspace kind of things, uh, some robot types of things like the Cosmo, which you're familiar with, right? Yeah, yeah. I was actually surprised um, that that some of the the Wonder Workshop apps didn't actually get like if you're going to list Cosmo, yeah, and and this other one, Evo by Ozobot. Um, I mean, some of those Wonder Workshop apps have like forty or fifty coding lessons built right into them like there's like almost whole curriculums in some of these wonder workshop apps. who's who's the um, cosmo competitor like or which some of your robots that are part of wonder workshop well Co- so cosmo's a little a little robot it'd be it'd be similar like you would teach it similar to the range that you would teach like dash oh yeah the dash and dot uh, those kind of things yeah, right yeah, right for sure the evo the ozobot is a little tiny thing uh mm-hmm. and it's interesting I, I i would say it's probably maybe primarily for younger uh, elementary age students uh, they you you hmm. mark with a marker on a piece of paper right and you can okay. use different colors and the different colors signify different things that the robot is going to do along that line so it travels along the line and when it gets to oh, red yeah. for example it'll do like a little trick go backwards or do a spin and you can use these sure. different colors to be able to do different types of things along a path. Um, it, it was interesting. I didn't 
think it would be on a list of the top top tools. 20 yeah that seems kind of overrated <laughs> but maybe i'm mm. wrong maybe ozobots are like the especially in, in younger elementary are just you know the 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 best you can get as far as for steam or makerspaces kind of kind of situation uh, i'm surprised that th- like i'm not sure if these are new tools like th- i guess they're not right no. makers empire has been around and for a while it's and... not new i i remember i went right. to some workshops three or four years five years ago you know on it so it's not definitely not new so it was interesting because i was like top ed tech tools of 2018 <laughs> number one would be something like flipgrid you know what i mean like something where you're like everybody is right. using it everybody yeah. uh, knows about it and and there's already all of this types of ways to be able to integrate it into every type of content and grade level i mean that would be a top of 2018 so yes classcraft classcraft if, if we're yeah. I would say that's it's huge. It's and it's being used in a variety of different ways. And then now they even have an ability to be able to use it uh, with content, which is an amazing, you know, choice uh, quest based learning. Um, the other one I thought I, there were some things on here that I thought were strange, like Loom. I don't know if you've you've ever used this before. Uh, one of my coworkers uh, uses or has used it before. And all it is is a screencasting tool that's free. But you can also upgrade it to a paid version. But I would recommend multiple tools before I would recommend that one. Uh, Screencast-O-Matic, that's free, and it's awesome. Uh, Screencastify is just a Google Chrome extension. It's super easy to use. You right. know, That's the one that I have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are super simple, easy to use. Uh, I, I prefer Screencast-O-Matic just because it has some things on there that others don't. But, I mean it's weird that they chose this one. So it makes me wonder. I always have the the uh, pessimistic view, you know? Did uh, Is this like, does some people pay to be able to get on this list or what's up with this? You know what I mean? It's a really weird list. Like, I'm also wondering where the heck, you know, iMovie is, for example. Uh, where is iMovie? Where is, uh, I, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm thinking of a million. Even Minecraft GarageBand should be number possibly. three on this list. I mean, it, Minecraft. It, you're ignoring... <laughs> Of millions and millions of copies sold and being used by millions of people around the world. Uh, that's strange. You know, that's what I was thinking. And this Khan Academy is not just Khan Academy, but it's Khan Academy kids. So it's like for these yeah. pre-K to K students. Um, but yeah, I just, I was like. Even like Brain Pop? Yeah, Brain Pop. Yeah, that's not on this list. I mean. <laughs> uh, they have this uh, e- kind of a Zotero bid right? And it's a way to be able to cite resources. Um, there's a ton of uh, free websites that do that kind of stuff that are... It's not that these are bad, no, no. right? Like, I don't think we're saying that these are bad. It's just weird that you would make a top 20 list yes. and you would rate and evaluate uh, like some tools and then put out a top 20 and it's just weird that there are Things that didn't make it into the top twenty, as opposed to things that did. So, like, like a chess, yeah, like a. Chess I just game. was looking at that one, Mike. Magnum Kingdom, which I mean is cool. Uh, it's great, and I'll, but uh, what? Yeah, that's a top twenty tool. I'll admit, right? I'll admit, I am tempted to download it so that I can teach my teach Isaac how to play yeah. chess, and then 
you know, we can play chess together. Like I'm all for that. I just, you know, top 20 when compared to things that aren't here. I mean, Oh yeah. yeah that's what I thought. We should get someone on. We should. It, hey, listen, if, if you guys know any of these common sense people that are, are part of this process, yeah, yeah. we want to uh, know, you know, tell them to get after us. Cause we want to, you know, I want to talk to them. <laughs> we need to figure out why. Yeah. And I'd love to know their evaluation. Okay. A rubric or whatever. And this was my favorite part, Mike. It said, this year, we had no trouble narrowing down our top picks to the top 20 best apps, games, and websites. What? It's super hard to do that. Oh, boy. Yeah, you and I would be fist fighting. Oh, my God. We, it would be hard to do <laughs> the top 50. You know, if you just started listing everything, and then things that you would have to leave off the list, you know, would be right. kind of some big, significant things. And, and this can range so far. I mean, if, especially cause it, they're like doing apps, games and websites. So, I mean, that includes so many different types of tools, uh, that are just Schoology. Uh, how about all the learning management systems that just start, you know, Schoology, uh, let's start, you're going to go with games. My God. Uh, you know, as far as the best, you know, we were talking about what are the best moments of 2018? How about the up and comers like GimKit? Uh, or just go with the big time leaders in that category, Kahoot and Quizlet. You know what I mean? Like those are right. How could you not list those? <laughs> so, anyways, there's some things that we've missed. Hey, hey, listen. If you haven't heard of any of the things that we were talking yeah. about, then then there you go. There's there's a good. We'll, we'll put up this list in the show notes, and then you know we just rounded. We just named about twenty other things that could have been on this list. So, uh, you know, take a look at it. I guess that's, you know, our value here is that there's a lot of other things out there and hopefully you take a look at those too, because, uh, there's, there's definitely lots of cool resources out there, um, that aren't on this list uh, of resources that I've never heard of. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) To throw a little more, to throw a little more shade. (laughs) So anyways, uh, yeah. And listen, if we're if we're missing something, if we didn't if we didn't say it uh, and it's not on on this this common sense list, then uh, share it. Uh, share it with us. Send us a message on Twitter, on the Twitters. Let us know. Or wherever. Let what us should know. be on this list. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's that. When we uh, when we come back. We'll be joined by Diana McGee. All right, welcome back to the podcast, folks. Uh, We are thrilled uh, to be joined uh, on the podcast today by Diana McGee. Diana is the Chief Information Officer and Director of Technology in Fort Thomas, Kentucky at FETC. Uh, Diana is leading two sessions, including one about sourcing embedding new ed tech tools which is something as our listeners would know especially lately uh glenn and i have been talking a lot about we're really excited uh she's with us today welcome to the podcast diana thanks thanks for having me awesome before we get uh into a couple questions especially about this session that i that i kind of teed up maybe you can introduce yourself to our listeners give us a bit of a rundown on your background and and your role Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, So I've been in education for 34 years, 
And I began as a high school English teacher with a minor in journalism and taught um, journalism classes at our high school in Fort Thomas. Uh, recently, uh, I I did two roles, one as the director of technology and one as a high school journalism teacher. Then I, um, after I did a few years in the classroom, I decided I wanted to get into some type of administration. So I have a master's and rank one in secondary guidance and counseling, which to say all of that, just to lead you into the fact that you never know where life is going to take you because none of that prepared me to be um, a technology director. Mm -hmm. But in the early 90s, when Kentucky was going through a great change as far as uh, it, it was called CARA, which that stands for the Kentucky Education Reform Act. One of the things that Kentucky did was to strengthen the technology in the state. And so I was hired in 1989 to be our instructional technology specialist. And then in 2001, I took over as the head of the technology department. So I've been in that role what is this 18 or 19 years? Can't do the math in my head right now, but uh, a long time and have seen um, all kinds of changes in the technology uh, world and department and in specifically in our district. It sounds like an adventure. I, I'm actually a history major who ended up being a computer science teacher. So, <laughs> so you understand. I, <laughs> so I understand completely the idea of not knowing. And, and now I uh, and now I write curriculum for a robotics company. So, awesome. um, you know, I know I know all about not knowing the path that you're going to head down. Um, which is, and I mean, that's interesting. 18 years. So you've been doing, you've seen a lot of change. Let's just a lot. Yes. Unbelievable. Yep. For, starting with, well, we had a token ring network at one point. And then of course now, you know, we're, we're a fiber district. We own our own fiber. We're a small district, by the way, Fort Thomas is 3000 students, but, um, area wise, we're about four miles in diameter. And so I, I think that is, uh, that's really a neat thing because it's small enough to where I can actually have personal contact with the teachers and uh, watch their progression as they learn in this field. But we've gone from a token ring network and then we, uh, then we went to a more, uh, you know, robust network, which is what we have now, which is a fiber network. All of our Buildings are fibered back to a core, and we have wireless in all the classrooms. We are one-to-one -one district. We have iPads in K5 and MacBooks in MacBook Airs in 612. And um, that's pretty uh, – it, it, it's a big project for us to – for us to have undertaken in the last five years. But um, – and we, so we've learned something new all the time. Awesome. I, I mean, and that'll keep you busy no matter how many schools <laughs> exactly. you got going on. Uh, so one of your sessions, um, and, and I'm I'm actually going to, I think, attend this one when we're there because I'm really interested in this conversation. And um, if you go back, I don't know what episode it was, but Glenn and I just literally like maybe two or three episodes ago had a really long talk about this, this topic about educational resources, about things that people spend money on and uh, at the district level. And um, we dedicated a whole lot of time to it. Um, things that are bought and then not actually used by the teacher. So they end up getting wasted. Um, and I'm interested in your thoughts on that, that specifically about what's happening there and how, or if you've been able to, if you feel like you've been able to avoid that in your own district. 
Able to avoid, I'll just have to do full disclosure up front and just say no. We have not been able to avoid that. However, in the last two or three years, I have, well, especially when we uh, implemented our digital conversion and um, all of our resources are digital. So we have had to make a huge investment in various types of software or apps to in uh, to be able to actually have school because we've done away with most of our textbooks and and I felt very strongly exactly what you're saying is that you know people were asking all the time do we have a license for this do we have a subscription for that and um, I have often wondered as the director of technology how a, how effective are the resources that we're spending so much money on? And B, are we really even using them? Or I should say that's probably mm-hmm. the other way around. Are we using them? And then if we are using them, how effective are they? So I think it was three years ago, um, I was at ISTE and had a meeting with a company called The Learn Platform. And um, they 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 were a, a startup company at that time and have a product that allows us to uh, create a library of all of the software that we own and and even just uh, online resources maybe even free free resources where I can build them in a library so any teacher can go to this site and check to see if we have licenses for a product. And um, that is one thing that that I've been working on for about a year to try to make that whole process better mm-hmm. um, in streamlining purchasing as well as trying to decide if things are 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 being wasted. But able to avoid? No, we're not. <laughs> we have not completely avoided that. But I feel like we're on a good path to to make some better decisions. So. With that in mind, uh, I mean, what in your mind and based on, I guess, your experience, because now, you know, answering the previous question, I mean, you've had experiences where things clearly get adopted well and you've had experiences where things don't. Um, What are the reasons why some technology that districts purchase and want the schools to adopt just collects dust? Uh, or why do you think it's even worse? Why do you think it might be shunned by teachers or avoided or or not used? Do you, do you have a sense of why one thing is maybe successful and another thing um, may not be? Well, I've been in this profession a long time. And like I said, 34 years. And mm-hmm. um, the, the four-letter word that all of us in education complain about all the time is time. <laughs> the word time is the reason, the main reason that I see that um, resources don't get utilized to their fullest potential is because, well, there's three things, lack of time, lack of training and lack of support. And so let me address the lack of support first, because one of the things I didn't mention was uh, one of the struggles that you have as the head of a technology department is to make sure you're aware of all the purchases. Because in our district, the schools have purchasing power of their own, and they don't always have to go through the district to purchase a software product or an online subscription. I encourage them to. I encourage them to go through um, the district office, and me in particular, so that I can vet the software and make sure it meets. Uh, we have two state laws, House Bill 5 and House Bill 232, that are 
specific to student data privacy. And so um, I encourage them to go through me so I can vet the software or I can help our, have our digital learning coaches help vet the software. But when we don't know about those um, products that are being purchased, it is hard for the technology department to provide adequate support. And so when teachers don't get adequate support, either you know, learning how to use the software itself or how to troubleshoot uh, the software when things don't work, if they don't get lack of support, they do give up. I mean, I was a classroom teacher myself, and I know that most teachers will try something once. They'll even try it twice. But the third time that they try something and it doesn't work, they they will not try it again. Um, sure. So, so lack of support is is crucial, but that that uh, that's a that's a give and take because we have to know what we are supposed to be supporting. So this so in in our district we do have a process. I worked with our chief financial officer um, to develop a procedure where if he gets a purchase order request for a software or an item of technology hardware, that he is supposed to show those to me if it doesn't have my stamp already on it. And so that's a good procedure to 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 have in place, but it it doesn't always work. Um, and then the lack of training is uh, just, it, it goes along with the lack of time. You know, most school districts have a prescribed professional development program or number of hours that they have to cover. And, and many times teachers put in that extra time to learn whatever they have to learn for whatever the district has decided is the targeted goal for this year. And oftentimes they won't on their own go out and seek training to learn how to use a product or a software. Um, not, I'm not faulting them for that. They don't have time. So that comes back to that other issue if they don't have time. Sure. And so if, if we could somehow structure um, – either our professional development or our school calendar in such a way that teachers have time to work with each other and to work specifically with products, I think you'll see a lot less of that uh, wastefulness on the idea of softwares not being used, software products not being used. Sure. Hey, Diana, I was, I was thinking about this. Do you have a process for making resource decisions? And is there anything you think you're doing that's unique to make these kind of decisions so we can share with others? Well, the, the Learn platform that I spoke of earlier, it does have a process in place where all um, purchases or requests for purchases would go through that platform. We have not kicked that off in our district yet. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But one of the things that we do have is we have a, a rubric that, uh, especially in elementary K-5, where we have the iPads, is when teachers want us to buy apps uh, to be used for the iPads. Is, is they, they, we have a work order process. They put a work order in, and then that work order goes to the digital learning coach, who then helps the teacher complete a rubric to decide if the app is worth uh, purchasing or if it meets all of our standard procedures and rules according to student data privacy. Is, is that something unique to your district, Diana, or is this like uh, something in Kentucky? I don't, well, I mean, I don't think it's unique to our district. I think there are other districts doing the same thing, but it is not something, you know, mandated or statewide. The, the part about the student data privacy is because we have two um, house bills that we are required to follow. Um, but 
the the rubric or the work order process that's that's not state mandated but i i guarantee you there are other districts that do the same thing awesome um so diana thanks for thanks for joining us this was super interesting this is a topic that's that's near and dear to 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 glenn and i both uh diana's session at fetc is on wednesday january 30th and you guys should go and and check her out when she's there uh we will for sure thanks again uh diana for joining us on the podcast oh you're more than welcome thanks for having me thanks for listening to on education my name is Mike Washburn, and my co-host is Glenn Irvin. Do you want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. Our engineers are Jake and Justin at Podcast Production Team. Check out their website at podcastproductionteam.com. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we'd be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost, and this helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Schoology, for supporting us. Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.